0: Talk
1: cheese. Recorded live.
2: You're listening to the
0: This is Ann Graham-Lotz with Daily Light for Daily Living. All around us are broken homes, broken hearts, broken hopes. But God never intended us to be broken. He didn't just create us, plop us down on planet Earth and say, happy birthday, now you can guess your way through life. God as our creator has specific directions for our lives. Psalm 119.2 says, blessed are those who keep his testimony, who seek him with a whole heart. If we live according to his directions, our lives work. We're blessed and we experience life the way it was meant to be lived. If we ignore or reject his directions, we do so to our own detriment and experience much less than he intended. His directions form a pattern that prevents breakage of our lives to help mend the brokenness already present. Listen to me. Trust in his words, then follow his directions. Your life will work. This is Ann graham Lodge. No
3: Doc. It's a picture of salvation. Answers with Ken Ham. Whose ministry is building a full-size Noah's Ark south of Cincinnati, Ohio. Have you ever thought about the fact that Noah's Ark is actually a picture of Jesus Christ? Let me explain. The Bible tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Now, I believe he would have actually stood at the door of the Ark and preached a message, perhaps something like this. There's a flood coming. God's going to judge this world. Believe God's warning and come on board. There's plenty of room for you. Obey God and be saved from the judgment to come. You know, sadly, only Noah's family went on board. Now, here's how Noah's Ark is a picture of salvation in Christ. Think about it. When
4: Jesus was on earth as a man, he said, I am the door. By me, if any man enters in, they
3: will be saved. You see, Jesus is our Ark of Salvation. And just as in Noah's day, God's word warns us, a judgment is coming, we need to go through a doorway to be saved. Are you in the Ark of Salvation? One of our more popular resources is a 95-page pocket guide on Noah's Ark. We'll send you a copy for a donation of any size. As we close out the broadcast week, call us toll-free at 1-888-89-ANSWERS, and we'll mail you the guide for your donation of any amount. 24 hours a day, call us at 1-888-89-ANSWERS, or get this pocket guide on the ARC by going through our website of
1: AnswersOffer.org.
5: When he was, when Jesus was.
6: And good morning. This is your early Sunday morning gospel program. Morning Spirations here on Talk to you and
1: Jam Radio. Listening,
2: downloading us.
1: Morning scriptures coming from this morning from Ezekiel thirty-fourth chapter, verses fifteen through. Seventeen. I will feed my flock And I will Cause them To lie down Lie down
2: Says the Lord God
1: But seek that Which Was lost Save him Which was driven Away We'll find up.
2: All right. Let's try this again.
1: So I think that which was lost. And bring again that which was driven away, and will bind up was broken, strengthen that which was was sick. But I will destroy the fat and strong.
2: I will feed them with judgment. As for you, says
1: the Lord God. Behold, I judge between the cattle,
2: rams, and
1: morning. Ezekiel thirty four, verses fifteen, for the people of God, as we continue our. Reading from the Book of Ezekiel. A morning prayer coming up at the bottom of the hour.
5: Stay tuned. Do. All you gotta do is just put your trust in him, and he'll see you through, y'all. Yes, he will. Oh yeah. People talk as much as you please. If you ever This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. And now it's time
6: for our morning.
2: forgive us what for you said that we've done, yeah unknowingly. thank you Forgiveness. bless Lord.
1: How we lift up those Lord who are uh, listening to us by our podcast, those listening to us live. Lift up those, Lord, who get ready to go to worship this morning. The church near them. bless the services. We lift up every pastor, every minister who's going to bring the word today. So that they're, they're preaching clarity and boldness to your people. Rest those, Lord. but we, we, we remember those, Lord, in Germany, especially the victims' of the family who lost a loved one in that shooting. We lift up those, Lord, who lost a loved one in a violent,
7: in a violent
1: crime. family to get away. I up every police officer, every EMT, every person who works in the emergency room,
2: Girl who's on the streets. I
1: want to say thank you, Lord, for being God. There is no other your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for giving us the hope to strengthen.
7: Many
2: blessings just bless the Lord our family, our friends, our neighbors, our church
7: family,
2: our pastor and his
7: family So he's only coming forward us once again.
2: i family.
8: said, the only difference between a stumbling block and a stepping stone is what you make of it. Today, John MacArthur helps you avoid stumbling over those gray area issues that Scripture seems to neither prohibit or approve. Stay with us for grace to you. you. Trying to pick a career, how do you know whether God wants you to go into full time ministry? Uh, join the business world, be a lawyer, practice medicine. Maybe you're facing another life changing question Should I marry this person? Which church should I attend? Bottom line, with every decision you make, how can you be sure that you're doing what God wants you to? That's an issue that most Christians, even mature ones, struggle with, and thankfully you don't have to guess what God's will is as John MacArthur will show you today on Grace to You. Learn how to make biblical decisions as John continues the study, if God's will is so important, why can't I find it? And with the lesson titled Making the Hard Decisions Easy, here's John MacArthur.
3: The Bible is very explicit on matters of sin. There's not any reason to uh, wonder what it is that God forbids. You can start with the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, And the Lord lays out the things that he does not permit. There are other things which God commands us to do, and not to do those is sin. We are not in the dark about sin. The things explicitly spelled out in the Scripture are very clear to us. We know what's wrong. We also know what is right in regard to many things, for God has given us very clear word on that. And we don't want to talk about what is explicitly right and what is explicitly wrong in the Scripture. We want to talk a little bit about what falls in the middle, because that really poses the difficult problem when it comes to decision-making. If somebody proposes to you the possibility of lying, cheating, stealing, killing somebody, committing adultery, coveting, that's pretty obviously not acceptable. If somebody proposes to you the idea of reading the Bible, praying, witnessing, sharing the lord jesus christ and his word with someone who needs to hear it that's pretty obviously right but what about all that stuff in the middle to which the bible doesn't explicitly speak and this is a large category uh... there are some people who believe television is a sin if you own a television you're not spiritual there are other people who are zombies they stare at that box doesn't matter what's on even a test pattern tickles their fancy And they'll watch it as long as the fuse lasts. (laughs) Some people would say that if you go to a movie, you've committed a sin. If you enter into a theater, you're participating in ungodliness. If you plunk down your, uh, I don't know, whatever it costs to go to a theater, uh, that you are paying money into the godless movie-producing industry. Other people say, well, you can go to a movie, and it's a diversion. It's recreational. You can see the beauty of certain scenery and so forth. There are people who think that if you do anything on Sunday other than sit and read the Bible, uh, you have entered into sin. You're not. Uh, when I was a little guy growing up, I can remember when we were back in, uh, particularly on the East Coast in Philadelphia, you were not allowed to do anything on Sunday that even remotely resembled recreation. We came home in our little Lord Fauntleroy suits with a little stiff collar, and a little tie, And sat on the couch all day. Couldn't read the funny papers, couldn't read the sports page, couldn't look at television, couldn't go out in the yard and play catch, couldn't take a walk. We sat. The only sin we could commit, and we could commit that sin, all we wanted was the sin of gluttony. We could literally gorge ourselves uh, on Sunday. And of course, uh, most of the women spent all morning cooking up this massive meal by which we sinned all afternoon, but couldn't but couldn't run it off, and so we were stuck with the consequence of our evil. But that sin was tolerable, and in most evangelical circles it still is, as given evidence by the shape of most evangelicals. But anyway, (laughs) we'll stay away from that one. Uh, I remember as a little boy that you could play cards. You could play cards as long as the cards didn't have jokers, spades, clubs, and those other things. If they had anything else but those, they were okay. But if they printed those on them, that was sinful, and no self-respecting person would ever pick up a card and see one of those markings on it without dropping it immediately lest he commit some evil. Now, you could play um, pit and scream and shout and throw things, and that was all right, but watch what's on the card. There are people who believe certain clothing styles are basically reflective of a sinful society. Now, I don't understand the fashions today. I really don't. Personally, I believe God is symmetrical. You understand that? I believe God is symmetrical. He likes the same thing on both sides of you. But I see... But, I, see, I see clothes that go every which way. I mean, crazy things like exploding things and everything all around. But I think God is a god of symmetry. But anyway, that's just me. I like a pocket on both sides of my shirt. What can I say? And there are some people who, um, some people who feel that certain musical styles are are sinful. Rock music is uh, sinful, and we might even agree with that. Country and western is definitely sanctified. They must not be listening to the words. There are some people who think that uh, it's okay to have uh, boys and girls together swimming, and there are some who believe that's a sin. They call that mixed bathing, and that is forbidden. But there are a lot of things like that that enter into the area where the Scripture really doesn't have anything to say, and so we're left with having to make some decisions. Now, the easy way is to make up a list of rules. That's very easy. We'll just decide. We'll get a committee, and we'll say, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. We'll just live by those rules, and if you keep the rules, we'll call you spiritual, and if you don't keep the rules, we'll call you fleshly. That's the easy way out. As Christians, we need to know how to make decisions about those kinds of things. There are these things that face us every single day in our life. How do we decide? Well, I'm going to give you two handfuls of uh, principles, all right? We're just going to lay them before you. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them except to share them with you. These are the things that I use in my own personal life. Uh, I sat down one day and just wrote them down just out of my own experience. I didn't have to go study to figure them out. These are the things that I ask myself periodically whenever I'm faced with making a decision that isn't black or white in Scripture. The sooner you learn to apply these things, the more you will enjoy your spiritual experience and understand what it means to be free in Christ and yet submissive to his perfect purpose. Number one, I ask this question, will it be spiritually profitable? will it be spiritually profitable? Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 6, 12. All things are lawful. Now, let me qualify that by saying this. All things that are not unlawful are lawful. That's what he means. There are some things in Scripture that are already said to be unlawful or sinful. He's not talking about those things. What he's saying here is all things that are not unlawful are lawful. Okay? All things in that sort of middle ground, that non-moral area, are lawful for me. All things not unlawful are lawful to me, but all things are not. Now, this word literally means to my advantage. They are not to my spiritual advantage. They don't profit me. So I ask myself the question that Paul is posing right here. Will my doing this enhance my spiritual life will it cultivate godliness that's a fair question that's a basic question will it cultivate godliness will it be profitable to me will it be to my advantage will it profit me there are some things that are not wrong I think about sleep sleep is not wrong sleep is good I try to do that now and then I'd like to do it more than I'm able But there's nothing wrong with sleep. In fact, there's nothing wrong with sleeping in. Do you ever look forward to a morning when you could sleep in? Sure you do. Sometimes it's Sunday morning, but the Lord will punish you for that. (laughs) But, I mean, we all look to those times when we want to sleep in. I mean, that's a wonderful thing. But that good thing of sleeping in and and collecting your physical strength, if done too frequently, will not be to your spiritual profit because it will cultivate what? Laziness. In and of itself, it is not wrong, but it creates a habit of dullness and overdone. It is not to your benefit. There are many things like that in life. Whatever they might be, you ask yourself the question, will it be spiritually beneficial? Will it be to my profit, to my advantage? Will it cultivate godliness? In other words, I'm not looking at life from the standpoint of, boy, can I do this and get away with it? I'm looking at life, can I do this and have it increase my godliness? Will it be spiritually profitable? Let's call this the principle, and you can write this one down, of expedience. The principle of expedience. Is it expedient for my spiritual benefit? Principle number two, and I'm just touching lightly on these. Principle number two, and it's a very close parallel, will it build me up will it build me up the first one simply looks at it in isolation will it profit me spiritually in itself the second question will it put me on the path to greater spiritual maturity will it build me up first corinthians 10:23 go over a few chapters first corinthians 10:23 he gives basically the same idea all things are lawful that is all things that are not unlawful are lawful All things that aren't right or that aren't wrong in themselves. All things that are not unlawful are lawful for me, but all things are not profitable, same thought. Then this. All things are lawful for me, but all things do not what? Build me up. So I ask the question, Will it build me up? The word is Roika Demel means to build a house. Will it will it add to my life things that increase my spiritual stability, strength, and maturity. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 says, Let all things be done unto edification. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 12, 19, We do all things, dearly beloved, to build you up. In 1 Corinthians 9, back a chapter, verse 24, Paul says, You know that we... Run, and we all run in a race, but only one receives the prize, so run that you may win the prize. Every man that competes in athletics is temperate, that is self-controlled in all things. Why? Because he wants to win. Verse 27, I bring my body into subjection. Literally, he says, I keep under my body means to give it a black eye. I punch my body in the eye, if you will. I buffet my body not buffet my body i buffet my body i give my body a black eye for the purpose for the purpose of keeping it under control in order that what i do may be self-edifying i make my body my slave would be another way to translate that frankly and this is an honest thing for us to admit most of us are slaves to our bodily desires right I mean, we basically respond to whatever physical impulses are there. That's why I've always said in the matter of self-control and self-discipline, there are several key elements. To be a self-disciplined person, you have to train yourself in discipline. And I use a lot of little practical things like, uh, for one thing, always do the most difficult task, what? First, that helps you to learn self-discipline. Another one that helps me is always be on time, in order to do that, you've got to order the diverse elements of your life all to converge to have you in the right spot at the right moment when you're supposed to be there. That's a control. That, that indicates you can pull the pieces together and, and manage. And another one that helps me is learn to say no when you have every right to say yes. In other words, when you have a right to go out and just have a great big huge meal and top it off with, a, you know, a hot fudge Sunday or whatever, just say no so that you can say to your body, see, I'm still in charge. Cultivate self-control. When you control your desires with your mind, your spiritual mind, you exercise the right muscles in training yourself for godliness. So I ask myself the question, if I do this, will it build me up? Will it strengthen me? Will it move me toward likeness, toward greater spiritual maturity? Let's call that the principle of edification. So the principle of expedience and then the principle of edification. The third principle, and for this one, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. And let's ask a third question. You ready for this? Will it, and this is the negative side of the two we just mentioned, will it slow me down in the race? If I'm running, as 1 Corinthians 9 says, If I'm running to win the prize, if I'm running to obtain, then I have to ask myself if this will slow me down. Notice verse 1 of Hebrews 12. We are in a race, the race of faith. We have seen in chapter 11 a host of people who live by faith, and they are living witnesses of the validity of living by faith. They are the cloud of witnesses who tell us to live by faith. You know, back there at the beginning, um... Verse 4, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, by faith Sarah, by faith Isaac, Jacob, by faith Joseph, by faith Moses. Then it goes on to talk about by faith the walls of Jericho fell down, by faith the harlot Rahab, and then Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, the prophets, on and on and on, men and women, all living by faith. Now, with so many people testifying to the significance of the life of faith we are also to live by faith, to run the race of faith. Now, in order to do it successfully, notice verse 1, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, the key that I want you to notice, let us lay aside every weight. And the sin. Now, what do you conclude from that? That the weight is different than what? Sin. We are to lay aside sin, and we're to lay aside the weight. what's the difference? To run in this agon, from which we get the word agony, which is the word for race, this demanding, grueling life of faith, requires determination, perseverance, self-discipline, and in order to do that, We have to lay aside every weight as well as sin. Now, what is every weight? The word is ankas. It simply means bulk, bulk. It isn't sin. It's just needless bulk, something that weighs us down, diverts our priorities, takes our attention, sucks our energy, dampens our enthusiasm for the things of God. Now, let's take an athlete who's going to compete in the 100 meters, and let's say that before he ran in the 100 meters, say, in a world-class event, he went out and got drunk and committed sins of dissipation and then came in and tried to run. He would be running without having set aside sin. He sinned against his own body and sucked out his strength. But let's assume that he trained perfectly, that he did everything he was supposed to do in the process of preparation, He was in top physical shape. Everything was as it ought to be in his training. His moral life was clean. He didn't dissipate his body, but he came in and decided to compete in combat boots and a wool overcoat. That wouldn't be sinful, but it would be pretty stupid. That would be unnecessary bulk. Let me put it simply to you. Is it sinful to go out uh, with your wife on a Saturday night and have a late dinner and just eat a nice big meal and then go for a drive and sit in front of the moon at the beach and tell your wife how much you love her and go home at 2 o'clock. Is that sinful? No. You say, I wish my husband would do that. (laughs) But let's add one other dimension. You have a prayer meeting at 8 o'clock Sunday morning and you have to teach the Word of God at 8.30. Let me tell you, it's not sinful to do that, but it is a lot of unnecessary bulk that will have an impact on what you're able to do the next morning so there are some things in our lives that we restrict for no other reason than that they would slow us down in the race right that's why for me for example saturday night is a very sacred time it is a do nothing time i can remember when my boys were playing football games and uh I can remember Saturday night football games, and I would go out, and when your son is playing football, you get into the thing. I get into it anyway, having played so much and loving the game, and you're watching your son, and your emotions are running high at a fever pitch, and you come back, and you're playing the game over and over, especially if your son breaks his leg, and he's in the hospital, and he severed his femur right at the growth plate, and we're there half the night, and we've got to get up the next day and preach the word of God and um, so forth. You get your emotions and your mental processes running down the wrong channel. Now, it's not sinful to go watch your son play baseball or football unless you think football is a sin and uh, that's your privilege, I guess. But the point is, you add to your life unnecessary bulk. You don't need that. You don't need to encumber yourself with that. There's lots of forms of bulk legalism, ceremonialism. Needless waste of time that sucks your energy and fouls up your priorities. So you ask yourself a simple question. Will it slow me down in the spiritual race? Anything that impinges upon my effectiveness in serving Christ, I won't do that. might be something that in itself is not evil, but it becomes a needless weight for me to bear. Let's call this the principle of excess. Of excess. Number four. Number four, will it bring me into bondage? Will it bring me into bondage? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, back to the verse we started with. 1 Corinthians six twelve. listen to this. All things that are not unlawful are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient or profitable Then this. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of what? Of any. I will not be brought under the power of any. I will not allow anything to master me, to master We should never allow a non-moral thing to become our master. And yet there are people, think of it. Psalm 8, what is man that thou art mindful of him? You've made him just a bit lower than the holy angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over creation. He rules the beast of the field, the fowl of the air, the fish of the sea. He rules the land and all it produces, man, the king of the earth. But isn't it amazing how he yields up his sovereignty to the stupid little thing? How many men have turned into absolute slobbering, blithering idiots because they can't control what comes out of grapes? How many people have ended up dead because they can't deal with tobacco? How many people literally have their lives totally run by a television, which is a bunch of wires that were invented by man, the king of the earth. All of a sudden, television is king, television is sovereign, and man is nothing but a slave to that. Drugs, invented really and discovered by man for the benefit of those who have need of them, becomes the master of so many men, so many women. There are many things that can enslave us that come from creation which God designed to be ruled by us. So I ask myself the question, will this put me into bondage? I remember a particular preacher who was preaching the circuit in evangelism and finally had to leave evangelism because he was so engulfed in losing money in golf that he literally bankrupted himself, getting to the point where he was playing for three and $400 a hole in a golf match. There are a lot of people in this world controlled by a little round ball like that a lot there are those kinds of things that inherent in them take control of us take control of us i watch that happen with music young people who are dominated by that i watch people who who are literally paralyzed if they can't get home and see the next edition of the soap opera so many things can bring us into bondage let's call this the principle of enslavement so we ask Will it bring me into bondage? Does it have the potential to make me its slave? The principle of enslavement.
8: That's John MacArthur, helping you apply practical truth from Scripture to every decision. The title of his current study here on Grace to You, If God's Will is So Important, Why Can't I Find It? Now, as John is uh, showing you in the series, the game plan for knowing God's will is clearer than you may have uh, have realized. Uh, So don't concern yourself about what Scripture doesn't say. Instead, you need to focus on everything it does reveal.
3: Fair summary, John? Well, sure. Wasn't it Mark Twain who said, it's not the things I don't know that bother me, it's the things I do know? Obviously, we want to focus on the truth. We want to focus on what God has revealed. There are speculative Christians who uh, who are running around saying, I'm listening for the voice of God. And, and there are ministers. And there are books that fill up Christian bookstores telling you how to listen for the voice of God. You can go to a seminar, supposedly learn how to listen for the voice of God. You know the bottom line. He has spoken, and he has spoken in his word. If you want to hear the voice of God, go to his word. You don't need to sit around in a vacuum hoping something is going to come by way of new revelation from heaven. It's not. And you can be led astray by those kinds of whimsies. You need to know what is in Scripture. That is God's word for you. To help you understand that, we have the MacArthur Study Bible. That's a Bible text with explaining notes at the bottom of every page. We have it in a brand new edition, the English Standard Version. That's a new translation just in the last few years, an excellent, outstanding translation of the Old Testament and the New, the English Standard Version. Coupled with that great faithful text are 25,000 footnotes, all kinds of graphs and charts and lists and indexes and concordance and doctrinal statements and It's just a full theological resource in one volume. It's available in the New American Standard version, which is what I preach from, the New King James, and the ESV. Hardbound, leather-bound, premium calfskin, we've got it all. Something to fit your budget, get a hold of these. It'll make a huge difference in your understanding of Scripture.
8: Friend, if you hunger for God's Word, if you want to dig deep into its truth and find out what it means by what it says... The MacArthur Study Bible is an ideal resource to help you do that. Order your copy, call, or go to our website today. The toll-free number here is 1-800-55-GRACE, and the web address, gty.org. Whether you're a brand-new Christian, you've followed Christ for years, even if you're a pastor, a Sunday school teacher, a Bible study leader, the MacArthur Study Bible can expand your understanding of Scripture study Bible is in hardcover, costing $35, or a leather edition at $65, and remember, shipping is free. Place your order. It's now available, remember, in the English Standard Version. Call one 800 55 or visit the website gty.org. Now, turning the corner, if you're listening right now in your car, perhaps commuting to or from work, remember that's happening around the nation today because people are tuning into Grace to You, listening, learning, and growing. And if it describes you, if you're benefiting from our Bible teaching resources, consider making a donation. Please keep that in mind as you write to us today. The mailing address is Grace to You, Post Office Box 4000, Panorama City, California, 91412. Or call... 1-800-55-GRACE Thanks for mentioning this station's call letters as you get in touch. That's more important than you may realize. And now for John MacArthur, I'm your host Carl Miller. Thank you for tuning in today. Join us again tomorrow for another half hour of Unleashing God's Truth, one verse at a time on Grace to You. Ever get a headache when faced with a big decision or even a small one? John MacArthur provides some relief tomorrow. Join him then for the next Grace to You.
1: for the little morning inspiration? Well, listen to Morning Inspirations and the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
6: And top of the morning to you! This is your early Sunday, early Sunday morning gospel program. Morning inspirations here on Talk to Jam Radio, And to wake up everybody. You too sleepy head time to rise and shine. Amy grant and from the unguarded um, album and love will find a way good morning to you Good morning to all of you. Good morning, Vanessa. Good morning, and and, and, um, uh, <laughs> and happy birthday to Kim Gusby who celebrated the Big Five-O. Happy birthday to you. Good morning to all of you all. You're getting ready to go to church this morning. I hope you're getting ready, because I am.
5: This is Morning Inspirations. one thing more Looking for the little
1: morning inspiration? Well, listen to Morning Inspirations and the JAM radio network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
6: Morning Gospel Program, Morning Inspirations with the Blind Boys of Alabama and Soldier. I want to thank all of you for listening and tuning in and downloading this. Listen, go to our archives and please, by all means, go to our archives and download any of our programs here Nation Talk 55519 pound is the show number. Back.
2: Hang in there. Should churches
3: use
8: surveillance cameras?
3: Legal insights for pastors. Here's a word from attorney David Gibbs Jr.
8: A pastor of a very new church called the Christian Law Association with the problem. He knows having two adults present at all times with children is a safeguard against liability. With such a small congregation, however, having two adults in the room was often difficult. Our attorney suggested consider using surveillance cameras. The law allows property owners, in this case the church, to install and use surveillance cameras on their own property. The church can now have more adults attend the main service and know the children at the church are safe and watched for. If you have any questions about the use of surveillance cameras, please call us at CLA.
3: If it's been a while since you've been to our website, You really ought to check it out. Christianlaw.org is a virtual tool shed of legal tools, legal advice for pastors and ministries, answers to difficult questions, links to helpful PDF files, and much more. Then there's our legal alert newsletter and a link that lets you contact a CLA attorney. So check it all out at Christianlaw.org. Again, that's Christianlaw.org.
5: It takes 12 years to create a graduate. It takes about the same time to create a dropout. And at the end of the day, the difference between a child becoming one or the other could be you. Studies prove that reading to a child regularly dramatically improves reading skills. And kids who read well by third grade are four times as likely to graduate. So United Way is asking you to make a pledge. Tutor a child who needs help. Mentor a kid who needs someone on their side. Volunteer to read to children. Because when a child advances, we all advance. Communities improve. The path to success starts long before graduation day. And the difference between a graduate and a dropout could be you. Be a reader, tutor or mentor. Give. Advocate. Volunteer. Live United. Go to liveunited.org now. Brought to you by United Way and the Ad
2: Council.
6: Help teach boys that violence against women is wrong. Learn how to start the conversation at teachearly.org. Watch you buy Futures Without Violence and the Ad Council.
0: This is Ann Graham-Lotz with Daily Light for Daily Living. If you disregard God's word, you're disregarding God's perspective and God's principles. In other words, without God's word, you're just guessing your way through life. We guess when we compare ourselves with each other, then constantly adjust our values to fit the culture. But before we realize it, we're a crooked, mismatched mess, stumbling around in the dark. The psalmist said to God in Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path." God's word tells us what is right and what is wrong, what's pleasing to God and what is not, what is wise and what's foolish. Without it, we're just stumbling from one generation to another. Listen to me. Make God's Word your schoolmaster. Allow the truth of Scripture to teach you God's wisdom and God's way. Then stop the guessing. Follow God's directions. They work. This is Ann Graham-Lotz. My name is Sue Smith. I'm 38 years old, and I work at a graphic design company, which is funny because I couldn't even draw a stick figure when I was a kid. But I met someone who told me, you know what? You can do anything if you really want to. And if the teenage me were here, she'd tell you I wouldn't be into drawing and art if it wasn't for big brothers, big sisters. Most kids from my neighborhood don't get into art. They get into trouble. But I was lucky because my big sister showed me early on that
5: I didn't have to be like most people. And to the young me, that meant a lot. My big sister's name is Sheila. And Sheila is the reason that this 8-year-old grows up to have an amazing job as a graphic designer.
8: Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brothers Big Sisters help a child. And that can last a lifetime. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brothers Big Sisters and the Ad Council.
6: Our
5: children will always outgrow us. But for the first time in generations, they may not outlive us. Over the last 25 years, the percent of overweight children has doubled, a problem that could be greatly reduced just by having a place to exercise. Right now, people are working hard to put parks and playgrounds where children will use them. Log on to earthshare.org today and find out how you can help. A public service message brought to you by Earthshare and the Ad Council.
9: And I'm sorry. I don't want to live in rebellion to you anymore. I ask you to forgive me. And tonight I open my heart and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe you died for me. I am saved! I am saved! I am
4: saved! Oh, let me ask you, friends, in closing tonight have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way, there is no other message. For there is no other way, there is no other
5: message.
4: Oh, come to Him. Come to the Savior tonight. Come to Him just as you are. Come to Him in your sin. Come to Him in all your needs. Cast yourself upon His mercy and upon His infinite grace. And cast yourself upon His mercy and upon His, upon His infinite grace. Cast yourself wholly to Him. And you too will enter into that joy of sins forgiven, peace with God, and eternal, abundant
7: life
5: through Jesus Christ, our Lord.
6: Yours truly until tonight at 8 p.m. for Nation Talk. That's tonight 8 p.m. Eastern Time. 55519 Palace Street. Call number ID. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday. Go to church. And we'll see you at a church near.